Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Hello, saints. It is good to be back. And I want to say a sincere hello to the non-believers. Now, I hope this message finds you hungry for the truth. I told you guys once I returned from vacation that I was going to return with even more powerful messages. I want to thank everyone who sends their love to me and their support for me teaching the truth. In this day and age, it's hard to even teach the truth in the church. Now we are going to tour the book of Acts, all 28 chapters, which contains the beginning of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, set up by the apostles of the Lord Jesus, who were acting on and led by the Holy Spirit. Now don't panic. This lesson will be taught in six episodes. I don't have enough wind in my body or in my lungs to talk through 28 chapters doing one teaching session, okay? <laughs> now, the author of Acts was um, written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospels of Luke, or the Gospel according to Luke. Now, Acts is commonly known as the Acts of the Apostles, but it is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. See, I always talk about be careful when you listen to what man says. It is the acts of the Holy Spirit. The apostles were acting in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything they did was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directed the apostles to set up the church of Jesus Christ just how he wants it to be, that he is Jesus. Now you are going to find out during this series whether the church you attend is in line with the word of God, okay? And whether the church you attend is in line with the church the Holy Spirit created. Now, after this entire lesson is complete, all six episodes I'm talking about, you can decide for yourself if you want to find a church in line with God's word. The only way we can grow in God's word and in his grace is if we continue to follow the teachings, I'm talking about the doctrine, the teachings, and the examples of the apostles. Because they stayed steadfastly in the word of God. Now please have a pen and paper in your possession so you can take notes. It is very important that you take notes so that you can review later on. Now, you are going to learn through this episode why the church has no power and why the church is failing the communities today. Now, line must be upon line and precept must be upon precept. During this entire series, I will be teaching from the New King James and the ESV, which stands for English Standard Version. Now, I find both versions to be very accurate to the original Hebrew text, Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This is why I choose these two 
to teach this particular lesson. So with that said, turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 1 and let's get this truth on the road. Now since everyone knew that this message will be taught from the entire book of Acts, you should be there already. So I'm going to start reading. Beginning at verse 1, Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Verse 2, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, meaning approvals, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, verse, uh, no, it's still verse 5, with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Now, I want to talk about verses 1 through 5. Now, Jesus was preparing the disciples for witness. Okay. Acts opens with the account of the Spirit's descent at Pentecost. Chapter 1 relates the preparation of the disciples for that event, which is covered in chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Now, Jesus is preparing the disciples. Okay. After a brief introduction, Luke reviews the 40 day period when Jesus prepared the disciples for their witness. Now Luke's first book is the gospel of Luke, which gives an account of what Jesus began to do and teach. He was preparing the disciples to continue his teachings. Now this suggests that the book of Acts is going to be about what Jesus continued. It's, it's about what Jesus continued to do and teach in the world. Now, though physically he had ascended into heaven, yet spiritually he was still present on earth. Now, when one realizes that the term Lord in the Greek, karyos, in Acts usually refers to Jesus, it becomes evident that the entire book tells how Jesus was building his church, selecting an, an uh, apostle to replace Judas, pouring out the Holy Spirit in, 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 in new power, adding people to the church day by day, appearing to Ananias. We're going to read all of this. And to Paul, healing a paralyzed man, receiving worship from the church, stopping a magician who was opposing the gospel, and opening people's hearts to believe the gospel and opening people's heart to understand the Holy Spirit's role or the role of the Holy Spirit. It is the execution of the divine program that Jesus directs 
and mediate. Luke's gospel was also dedicated to Theophilus. Now, either Theophilus was an actual person or a symbolic name for any Christian seeker or convert. We really don't know who Theophilus is. Okay. Now, the day when he was taken up refers to Jesus's ascension into heaven. The beginning of Acts parallels the conclusion of Luke's gospel. Okay. Now, through the Holy Spirit means that as Jesus gave instructions and commands to his disciples, the Holy Spirit accompanied his teaching, empowering the disciples so that they would rightly understand and obey it. Now, apostles, you need to understand, were the men who set up the church. They set, they started setting up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ based on the teachings of Jesus. Now, Jesus appeared multiple times to his disciples and gave them many proofs to strengthen their faith. Now, solid evidence and, and, and knowledge of facts increase faith. You guys need to need to know that solid evidence and knowledge of facts increases faith. An idea contrary to some modern views of faith. Now, only Acts provides the specific time reference of a 40-day period for the resurrection appearances. A number that evokes thoughts of many biblical events. Now, such as the wilderness wanderings of Israel and the temptations of Jesus, though common in the Gospels as the main theme of Jesus' preaching, the phrase kingdom of God, occur, uh, it occurs only six times in Acts. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, 8, 12, 14, 22, 19, 8, 28, 23, and verse 31 in, verse, in chapter 28. So significantly, two of the six are at the beginning and the end of Acts, indicating that the proclamation of the gospel in Acts represents the beginning of the fulfillment of God's kingdom promises. The kingdom of God means not an earthly political or military kingdom, but the present spiritually directed reign of God, gradually transforming individual lives and entire cultures through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Let's go to uh, verse six. No, I want to discuss verse four right quick. The promise of the father, because I don't want you guys to miss anything. The promise of the father refers to the gift that was promised by the father, namely the new and greater empowering of the Holy Spirit that the disciples were to await in Jerusalem. You can write down Luke chapter three, verse 15 through 17 and Luke 24, 49, so that you can study this stuff the rest of the week until we get to episode two next Sunday. Now, verse five, baptized with the Holy Spirit, looks forward to Pentecost. Now, John had contrast his repentance, baptism with Jesus, Holy Spirit, baptism, um, Throughout Acts, baptism and the gift of the Spirit are closely related. 
repentance, forgiveness, water baptism, and reception of the spirit comprise the basic pattern of conversion. Now we do know we are baptized in water in John's baptism to represent the death, burial, and resurrection of G Jesus Christ. But it is the Holy Spirit, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, that gives you the power and that assists you in being born again. And if you hear anything different, you have been told a lie. That's why we're going through Acts, the entire book, verse by verse. Line must be upon line and precept must be upon precept. Now, let's go to uh, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of, to, to Israel? Verse 7, he, Jesus, said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Everything the apostles is teaching or taught back then is for us today. This is the commission from Jesus to the apostles. Okay, verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, verse 11, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, the New King James says, this same Jesus, ESV saying this Jesus, this, this, and he, he's talking about the same thing. Th these two men in white robes, they were angels. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, the reason I was putting emphasis on this Jesus and this same Jesus, because I heard Louis Farrakhan and this is on tape. Now he's, he made this statement years ago, but I still have it on audio that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah. He configured the, the coming Messiah. He was a prototype. Now, ain't none of this in the Bible now. And he said that the real Messiah was coming the second time. But this Bible, I just read, this verse I just read to you in Acts said, this Jesus, this Jesus will come back, is going to return in like manner. This same Jesus. So I wanted to put emphasis on that for all the Muslims that are listening. Because guess what? I, my messages are made available to over 50,000 people and not all of them are from America. It's from all over this country. I have Muslims that listens to me also. So I would hope they get this. All right. Now, verse six, when Jesus ascends at the end of the 40 days, Jesus took his disciples to the Mount of Olives and ascended visibly. Now, before doing so, he commissioned them to be his witnesses. That's what the church is supposed to be doing today, okay? They, he commissioned them to be his witnesses. Now, the place of the disciples' assembly was the Mount of Olives, at the foot of which lay Bethany, 
You can read Luke 24, 52 if you want to read more about that. The disciples asked Jesus when he would restore the kingdom to Israel. Now, that's this is one of the reasons why a lot of the the Jews as a nation, not the people, because the Bible says the common people received him gladly. It was the the Jews who were ahead of the uh, or heads of the synagogue who who rejected Jesus. They were expecting him to come and set up his 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 kingdom and put them back on top. But here's the thing. They didn't understand that Jesus was coming twice. The Bible clearly states that in the Old Testament. It was prophesied. And they, ex they didn't understand that sin had to be dealt with. The first coming was him coming to save man from themselves. Okay? Now, because they concluded from his resurrection and the, and the promise of the Spirit that the, the Messianic era had dawned, and the final salvation of Israel was imminent. This is why they thought. That's another reason why they thought. However, they were probably still expecting the restoration of a military and political kingdom. That would drive out the Roman armies. And restore national sovereignty to Israel. That's what they were looking for. They, didn't, they completely ignored Jesus was supposed to come twice. Now, Jesus corrected them. Now... Not by rejecting the question, but by telling them, and you can read uh, Acts 1.8, that they would receive power from the Holy Spirit, not in order to triumph over Roman armies, but to spread the good news of the gospel throughout the world. Okay? Now, in other words, the return is in God's timing. In the meantime, there are other key things believers are to do. Now, the Father has fixed by his own authority. When Jesus made that statement, ultimate authority in determining the events of history is consistently ascribed to God the Father among the persons of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is God the Father who is going to determine when the kingdom will re be returned back to Israel. Okay. Now, Jesus may have corrected the disciples uh, question with a commission. That's what he did. Now, this time would be for them a time of witnessing for the gospel. And the scope of their witness was not to be just Israel, but the world. Now, is the... I would say, uh, was Jesus re uh, relating his statement for, for all of Acts? Was he associating that statement for all of Acts? Now, it begins with the Spirit's power that stands behind and drives the witness to Jesus. Okay, Then it provides a, a rough outline of the book, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the end of the earth, you will receive power. Now, some interpret this as over whether the Holy Spirit was at work in, in the lives of ordinary people. Now, believers prior to Pentecost, in, in a lesser way, or not at all, except for empowering for special tasks. Now, we 
as we continue to read through these chapters, we are going to find out that the Holy Spirit was for everybody. It, not just the apostles. Now, it may, have, it may have come upon the apostles and the 120 that were in the upper room, and we're going to get to that. See, I know a lot of this, and sometimes I jump ahead of myself wanting y'all to get this info. But um, I'm going to slow down a little because I want to um, share this with you step by step. Now, in any event, something new that needed to be waited for was here. This powerful new work of the Holy Spirit after Pentecost brought several beneficial results, more effectiveness in witness and ministry. Okay, now it was a, in verse uh, 1 through 8 in chapter 1, it was effective proclamation of the gospel. It was power for victory over sin. It was power for victory over Satan and demonic forces and a wide distribution of gifts for ministry. My gift is teaching and, evangel and evangelism. Okay. Now, the disciples likely understood power in this context to include both the power to preach the gospel effectively and also the power through the Holy Spirit to work miracles confirming the message. That's a huge um, key, people, confirming the message, working miracles. Okay, now the same work is used at least seven other times in, in uh, Acts to refer to power to work miracles in connection with, with the gospel proclamation. Now, let me go back and read uh, Acts 9 again. And when, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, what kind of cloud took Jesus out? Now, elsewhere in scripture, a cloud is often associated with a, a manifestation of God's presence. You can read Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 36, if you want to read more about that. Now, this was not an ordinary rain cloud, excuse me, but the cloud of glory that surrounds the very presence of God. Now, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Now, this visible ascension of Jesus into heaven indicates that Jesus retains a physical human body as a man, though he is exalted to the right hand of God, i.e. given direct ex ex executive rule in God's spiritual kingdom. You can read Matthew 28 and verse 18 if you want to read more about that. Now, when coupled with Acts 1.11, it also indicates that he will someday return in the same physical body. The amazing miracle of the uh, incarnation is not only that the eternal son of God took human nature on himself and became a person who is simultaneously God and man, but also that he will remain both fully God and fully man forever. Okay, now, the ver uh, verse 10 talks about the pair of men. Now, these men were angels in human form as their, you know, their white robes. You can read Matthew 28, 3, Luke 24, verse 4, John 20, verse 12. Now, in studying all of this, I wrote down these scriptures so that you can read them later. Now, Acts 11 talks about 
will come in the same way as you saw him go. So those who claim that another Messiah is coming, Acts 1.11 just shot that lie out of the water. This same Jesus is going to return. Now, Jesus' return, like his ascension, will be bodily and visible. Okay? Now, let's pick up at uh, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Let me make sure I read everything and said, men of Galilee. Oh, wait a minute. I don't want to lose myself because I got notes all over the place. I'm using digital and uh, paper. And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking at him? Okay, let's pick up at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And I will discuss a Sabbath day's journey in a few. I don't want to um, teach this message two, three hours. So I want to start running through here and I give my commentary after a certain amount of scriptures. Um. Uh, Sabbath day's journey away, verse 13. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the Ziliot and Judas, the son of James, verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Now, nothing special was said about Mary. Now I be ticking people off when I say about that, but you keep praying to Mary who, who is in, in the bosom of Jesus and she can't hear you. I'm just saying not, Mary was not included in worship. She was just the vessel in which Jesus came here. She was the avenue God chose to allow his son to come on earth and be a human. Okay, I thought I'd share that too, because you ain't going to hear nothing about Mary and while the apostles were setting up the church. And these were the apostles who was with Mary, whom Mary was with and whom they were with. Okay, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. It was 120 Jews in the upper room and said, verse 16, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Now, Peter's getting ready to talk about how and what process they are going to use to replace Judas and add um, him to the apostleship, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Verse 17, for he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Verse 18, now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Verse 19, and it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, a caldema, that is field of blood. Verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate. And let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his place. So it was prophesied that someone else was going to take Judas's place. So let me talk a little about this from verse 12 to verse 20. Now, Matthias replaces Judas. Okay, he's the one that's going to replace Judas. The remainder of chapter one focuses on two events 
um, I would say preparatory to Pentecost. Okay. The gathering of the band of followers to pray for the coming gift of the spirit and the selection of Matthias to replace Judas, um, is what verses 12 through 26 talks about. Okay. Now, Sabbath day's journey. I told you guys I was going to talk about that and tell you what that meant. It was a custom for, uh, for the Jews. It was the maximum distance one could travel on the Sabbath without it con constituting work. This was not an explicit Old Testament law, but a, a, a later a Jewish tradition. Okay. The rabbi set the limit at 2000 cubics, which was about 0 0.6 miles or one kilometer. Okay, now Jews at uh, Qumran had a lower travel limit. Now, the women in the upper room, you know, included those who ministered to Jesus' followers. Uh, you can read Luke chapter 8, verses 2 through 3, accompanied them from Galilee. You can re also read Luke chapter 23, verse 55, and witnessed the crucifixion and empty tomb. You can read Luke 23, 49, uh, chapter 55, verse 56, and chapter 24, verse, verses 2 through 11. Now, Jesus had four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Um, the main activity in the upper room was prayer. Now, I just said to you that Jesus had four brothers. James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Mary had more children after that, and he had two sisters. Okay? <laughs> and she had them the natural way. So Mary ain't no virgin. I'm just saying. And you can read about Jesus' four brothers in Mark 6, 3. The main activity in the upper room, like I was saying, was prayer. Jesus had told them to wait for the promise of the Father. Okay? When I read in Acts uh, verse 4. But Waiting on God and prayer are closely related in, in several places in the Old Testament. And therefore, it, it is likely that they were praying constantly that the promised spirit would descend. Okay. Now, throughout chapters 1 through 15, Peter is the spokesman for the apostles. Now, the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. Um, uh is one of the, the, the clearest affirmations in scripture that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Y'all know who King David uh, was? Mm-hmm. Now, the Holy Spirit spoke through David's mouth in the sense that David's written words were inspired by the third person of the Trinity. God, the Holy Spirit. Now, foretelling events that took place a thousand years later. You can see, read Psalms 69, 25 and read Psalms 109, verse eight. This was the Holy Spirit was prophesied. OK, you can hear you can read uh, Psalm 69, 25, 109 and eight, and you will be able to read about David, the Holy Spirit speaking through David. So the Holy Spirit was available to the prophets of old. At Moses as well, but I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Now, um, this man acquired a field when we, when I read chapter one, verse 18, that is the field was acquired indirectly by Judas. 
Now, through the agency of the chief priest, uh, you can read Matthew 27, um, verses 3 through 7, because it records Judas brought the 30 pieces of um, silver back to the chief priests and the elders. The chief priest then purchased the potter's field with Judas's money. Now, with the same effect as if Judas had had himself made the purchase. Now, he burst open. Now, the, the two accounts of Judas's death are complementary. They are. It's two different accounts. Now, retellings of, of the same event, each focusing in different ways on the same details. Now, both accounts involve Judas's remorse, the purchase of a field with his ill-gotten money, its reputation as the field of blood, and Judas's gory death. Now, for the location of the field of blood, you can read Matthew 27, verse 7 through 8. Now, the main difference is that Matthew 27, 5 speaks of Judas hanging himself, while Acts speaks of his body falling headlong and, and bursting open with all his intestines spilling out. Now, one possible explanation suggests that the field overlooked a cliff. Because if you read the book of Acts, uh, the, the scriptures that I just read about Judas, um, it speaks of him falling headlong, remember? So we'll, we'll get back to that after I finish this part of the commentary. Um, now, it, 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 it possibly, one possible explanation suggests that the field overlooked a cliff. And as Judas hanged himself, the rope or the branch, whatever it was, may have broken. With his body falling headlong over the edge of the cliff onto jagged rocks below. Now, others have suggested that Judas's body may have remained hanging for some time, decaying and decomposing, swelling up, you know. Now, eventually falling to the ground and bursting open in its decomposed condition. In either case, it doesn't matter in any event, there is no reason to see the two accounts as contradictory since they focus on complementary details of the same event. Okay. Now in both accounts, the uh, effect of Satan's control over Judas's life is clear, demonstrating the, the general principle that Satan brings total destruction and disgrace to the person who comes under his control. And we see it happening today. The person in the white house, as the president of the United States is under the total control of Satan. No love in his heart, a heart full of stone, heart of stone, heart full of hate, heart full of selfishness. He is a narcissistic sociopath. That's what he is. Now, uh, for those of you, I want to um, stray for a second here who don't know. Um, God has led me and, and put his stamp on it for me to have two different types of shows. This is Learning Bible Truth. Uh, my other podcast is called The Dark Side of America, which will air next Saturday. It aired uh, last weekend. And for those of you who, who didn't hear my message about the things that are going on in this world today, you can go to one of my five podcasts. I'll name them later. But on um, The Dark Side of America. So let me get back to the word, learning Bible truth. Now, you have to remember that the person who comes under Satan's control, he, you know, Judas was a, a no, not Judas. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. 
and his children know this. Remember when Jesus told some of these, you know, uh, Sadducees and Pharisees, you are a, a liar, just like your, da your daddy, your daddy, your father. He was a liar from the beginning and a murderer. You can read that in John eight, you know, chapter eight, verse 44. Now, Judas's death was the fulfillment of Psalm 69, 25. And his place among the disciples was, was now empty. So when they say, when the Bible says, let another take his place, the selection of Matthias in Acts 126, and I skipped ahead of myself, no problem, as the 12th apostle was a, a direct fulfillment of prophecy. Okay, Psalms 109 verse 8. Now, let us pick back up uh, at verse 21. So one of the men who had, who have accompanied us during, now this is very important. One of the men who, who have accompanied us during all the time that, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Now, the reason why this part is so important is because personally, and, and I don't want to step on nobody's toes, but hey, if, if I do, so be it. I don't believe that apostles exist today. I, I, I don't believe that because Peter and the remaining um, 10, which made 11, said that the person that they must choose should be a witness to the resurrection. And unless you are 2000 years old, you didn't, uh, you were not a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And they said it must be someone who was present when Jesus was coming in and out among us. Now, verse 23, and they put forward to Joseph called Barabbas, uh, Barabbas, who was also called justice and Matthias verse 24. And they prayed and said, you Lord who know the hearts of all should Show which one of these two you have chosen, verse 25, to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Verse 26, and they cast lots for them, for the two who was among them and witnessed the resurrection. And the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. That's how uh, Judas Iscariot's replacement took place. They cast lots. Now, let me tell you how some of these people try to deceive you in scripture. I had a conversation with a, a pastor who had renamed himself or reappointed himself as an apostle years ago, years ago. And this is when I had first come into the ministry. And so he took me to Acts 126, but not the previous scriptures. Now he had no idea. I did my research and he said, see, this is how they chose Judas Iscariot's replacement and they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles and see we cast lots too in the church and it fell on me so I said this well what about Acts 21 and 22 and you if you had seen the look on his face I'm like you can't con me you are trying to put yourself in another position God didn't call you to be in. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have any more apostles today. I'm saying I don't believe it. That's what, and there's a difference uh, between believing something and something happening. I don't believe it. I don't believe it based on these scriptures. 
I'm not just saying I don't believe something. What I'm saying is based on these scriptures, I don't believe it. Now, so one of the men, I'm going to read it again. This is the apostle Peter talking. Let another take his place. So one of the men have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. This is one of the qualifications for uh, the apostleship. Verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Verse 23, and they put forward to Joseph called Barabbas. I cannot pronounce his name. Uh, Barabbas. That's what it is, Barabbas. I'm sorry. I, hey, I've had a long day. Who was called Justice and Matthias. Verse 24. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these to you. Uh, so show which one of these two you have chosen. Verse 25. To take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And... Verse 26, and they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles, making it 12. Now, some have also said, because I have a lot of conversations with uh, ministers, teachers, um, not the disciples. I'm talking about people who are on and, and I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. Trust me, I'm one of the most humble people you ever want to want to meet. But um, the people who are on the same level as I am in terms of teaching, we, we discuss things like this. I've had one tell me, well, this was the method they used to replace Judas. I said, okay. Okay. So, uh, I still don't believe that they, that they don't have any more apostles today. The power's still here, and we're going to get to that. So, let's go to chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit finally came, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. All of them were filled. All 120 people who were in that upper room, including Mary. She started speaking in tongues. Okay. Verse four. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse five. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. From every nation under heaven. They were dwelling in Jerusalem. Jews. Devout men from every nation under heaven. Verse 6. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Now, here's the thing. The, Jew, the devout Jews were hearing the 120, each one of them, speaking in their language. Not the ones who were speaking it, but the ones who were hearing it. They were hearing these these disciples and apostles speaking in their language. Okay. And verse seven, I'm sorry, I, I got distracted. Verse seven. And they were amazed and astonished saying, 
Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Verse 8. And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Hey, wait a minute. We, we all speak different languages and we're listening to these people speaking in our languages. When did they learn our language? And then they start naming the different languages. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Palphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Verse 11, both Jews and proselytes. Now, proselytes are people who converted from one religion to another. In this case, people who converted from one religion to Judaism. That's what proselytes mean. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Oh, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Now, let me tell you how Peter straightened them out. Now, let me uh, tell you a little bit about what just happened. Now, the presence of the crowd indicates that the, the setting must be the temple grounds. The only place in Jerusalem that, that could accommodate more than 300 persons was the temple grounds. Okay, The fact that they were dwelling in Jerusalem suggests that not only Jewish pilgrims, but local residents as well. Now, hearing them speak, they spoke the mighty works of God, the language of praise. Okay. Now, the long list of nations um, covers most of the, the, the first century Roman world, particularly areas where Jewish uh, communities existed. Now, it provides one of the most comprehensive ancient catalogs of Jewish um I'm trying to uh, pull it up from memory now because I'll be reading a lot of stuff uh, of Jewish dis dispersions of the Jews beyond Israel. OK, these are people who lived outside of Israel. Now, Jews um, who were living outside of Palestine as well. Now, and it is confirmed by other ancient lists uh, by early Jewish archaeological uh, remains. And by many ancient literary sources. Now, it is only natural that first century Jerusalem would be filled with devout Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, the list also demonstrates that already at Pentecost, the Christians were starting their worldwide witness. Because explaining to people what, because this is what Peter did, and we're going to get to it about what was happening and um, referring to Old Testament uh, prophecies and telling the people this is being fulfilled is what they did. That That's part of witnessing, telling people Bible truth. Okay, now at this point, the converts were, were mainly Jewish. The only Gentiles at Pentecost were proselytes. Okay, Gentiles who had become full converts to Judaism. Now, Pentecost attracted Jews from all over the world to uh, Jerusalem to celebrate the annual festival. Okay. Those who heard the apostles message in their native languages at Pentecost came from various regions 
within the two great competing empires of the day, the Roman Empire and the Parthian Empire, with Jerusalem near the center. Now, let's uh, pick up where we left off. Where did we level off? 214? Well, 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 look, here's the thing. Peter's sermon at Pentecost, and, and, and he continued, um, the witness of Christians is confined to the city of Jerusalem and restricted to Jews. Okay. It, it was, it was, you, you got to remember Jesus came to seek, uh, the loss. And that was the lost, uh, people and, and, and lost Jews of Israel. Okay. The lost tribe of Israel. Now, now let's see. And I may not have that 100% right because I'm not teaching on that about the tribes of Israel. So I may have misspoke right there. It doesn't matter. I can always pull it up in my notes uh, at another time when I teach on another message. Now, Peter starts to preach at, at Pentecost. Peter's sermon is the first in a series of speeches and discourses in Acts. Now, as a sermon uh, to Jews, it consists primarily of scriptural proof, which is lacking in the church today. Okay. One of the reasons why the church doesn't have power is because they didn't accept the Holy Spirit. And it, it, it wasn't just for Jews. It's for us. We are getting ready to read that too. Peter always referred to an Old Testament uh, prophesied by a, a prophet about what would take place when the Messiah came and after the, uh, the Messiah ascended into heaven before his second return. Now, they always refer back to the Old Testament. Now, I want to ask you, uh, uh, is the pastor in your pulpit referring to the Old Testament and linking it to Jesus in the New Testament? Because that's what they are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. That's what they are supposed to be, be doing. Now, <sighs> the miracle of tongues as a fulfillment of Joel, the prophet Joel, uh, which we are going to read those scriptures. Uh, presents Christ as Messiah in fulfillment of Psalms 16 verses 8 through 11 and Psalms 110 verse 1. Also in Acts 2 37 41, we'll get to that, concludes the, the, the sermon with a call to repentance and baptism. There also is an allusion to Psalms 132 and verse 10, which itself alludes to 2 Samuel 7 6 16. Now, the last days are not just the distinct future, but were inaugurated at Pentecost. Now, and will continue until Christ's second return. Now, they are the last days in that the coming of the Messiah long predicted in the Old Testament has now occurred. That's what Peter was talking about. His saving death and resurrection had had been accomplished and now the work of the Holy Spirit in building the church is a key event in the history of salvation that needs to occur before Christ returns. Now, how many churches we have today are not being led by the Holy Spirit because it's not filled with the Holy Spirit because they didn't feel them. They didn't allow the Holy Spirit to enter them. Some of them don't even know about the Holy Spirit. Now that's scary. Because how can you be in a church of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't know about the book of Acts and don't know about um, the Holy Spirit? Because that's where our power comes from. You guys need to understand that. 
you have no power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to even witness for Jesus. The church is lacking that. This is why the church doesn't have any power. Not all the churches. Some of the churches are being led by the Holy Spirit and miracles are being performed in those churches today. And these unbelieving, secular-minded Christians don't accept it because they are secular-minded. The carnal mind can't receive nor understand the things of God. We need to understand that, uh, folks. So um, let's get back to, to these scriptures. Okay, let's get back to these scriptures. Mm, what did I leave all that? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, see, that's what happens when you put all your notes on uh, your iPad and you searching through them. And now I'm trying to get back to the uh, ESV Bible. Okay. And, 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 but others mocking said, and this is verse 13 of chapter two, but others mocking in, hold up. My iPad just went out. Let me uh, get it back on. Okay. Verse 13, but others mocking say, said they are filled with new wine. Now, but verse 14, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them. See, you got to correct people <laughs> when they are mis misspeaking men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Verse 15, for these people are not drunk as you suppose. Since it is only the third hour of the day. Wasn't nobody drinking that early in the morning. Verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Remember I mentioned through my commentary about the prophet Joel talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with new tongues. Now verse 17. And in the last days, this is Peter quoting from um, Joel, the book of Joel. And in the last days, it shall be God. It shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, I want y'all to tell me what the word all means. I'll wait. On all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So whoever tells you a woman shouldn't be prophesying, which simply means teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you can share these scriptures with them. Okay. You can share Acts chapter two, or you can go to the book of Joel. Um, verse 19. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun, verse 20, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great magnificent day. And verse 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the darkened sun and the bloody moon, because I know that through y'all, let me explain that, um, uh, whether literal or symbolic indicate the final consummation of the earth. Now, Peter included the full prophecy, even though not all of it was yet fulfilled. Now, Peter's quotation from Joel ended with the key verse, 
which assures that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, although the audience would have thought that, you know, the God of Israel is meant for Peter, the name of the Lord that saves is Jesus. Okay. Peter's application of the title Lord, you can read Joel 2.32 to Jesus points to his deity. I also want you to read, uh, we're going to get to it, Acts uh, 2.36 and, and 4.12. But you can also write down Joel uh, chapter 2 verse 32 where Peter was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, sisters and brothers. Now, Peter combines a clear affirmation of God's sovereignty, his deity over world events and human responsibility for evil deeds. Now, although Jesus was delivered up according to the, you know, the definite plan uh, uh, and foreknowledge of God, showing that God had both foreknown and foreordained that Jesus would be crucified, that still did not absolve of responsibility those who contributed to his death. For Peter goes on to say, you crucified and killed him. Though one may not understand fully how God's deity, you know, ordination of events can be compatible with human responsibility for evil. Both are clearly affirmed here and in many other passages of scripture. Now, let's uh, pick back up where we left. I jumped ahead. So when we get to those scriptures, you already know what I'm talking about. Um, when Peter said in verse 20, let's pick back, pick back up at verse 20, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works, excuse me, and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and knowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. 24 verse 24. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, loosing. I'm sorry, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Verse 26. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. Verse 27. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Verse 28. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Verse 29, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Verse 30, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. That's why uh, it was important that Jesus came through Mary too, because she was connected to the lineage of, of David as well. Uh, verse 31, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. 
meaning his flesh didn't decay. You know, um, flesh, a, a dead body doesn't start decaying until the fourth day. Okay. Which is why Jesus rose on the third. That is what this is talking about. He didn't, he did not allow his flesh to see corruption. Jesus was out of hell. You hear me fighting for us, taking the punishment that we should be taken and, and should take once we leave here. But guess what? Because of what Jesus did, we don't have to take it. Oh no, we don't have to go through hell. Jesus took all our punishment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 32, this Jesus God raised up and of that we all are witnesses. All of, that's why the, the apostle that took Judas's place needed to see the resurrection. Do you know what type of faith you have after you witness a resurrection? Can't nobody break that faith. That's why I don't believe that, that apostles exist today based on these scriptures. Uh, nobody can break that faith. Mm -mm. That's why they say, no, it has to be someone who, who, uh, walked with us, was with Jesus. And after he died, we saw his crucifixion and then we saw his resurrection. So, you know, we saw him ascending to heaven. So I don't believe there are apostles today. Mm -mm. The men we have today, let me stop. Let me say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. And having received from the father, the promise of the Holy spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He's explaining to them based on scripture, what speaking in tongues is and what the Holy spirit does. See, speaking in tongues is the benchmark. You ain't filled with the Holy spirit. If you don't speak in tongues, don't let nobody lie to you. I speak in tongues. I didn't speak in tongues until year after, years after I was saved because I wasn't told about them. If you're not told about the Holy Spirit, how can you receive it? Because the Holy Spirit is a gift that you must receive. Now, if you reject the gift, it's not yours. Okay. I don't know what, which language I speak in, but I know I speak in tongues. Now I can test and go on Google and find out which language, but I don't play with the Holy Spirit. When it's time for me to be edified or edify my, my spirit and connect and speak directly to God, I speak in tongues. And I feel so much better after. But let me tell you, you can't be an effective witness for God and his son, Jesus, without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why some of these churches are dead. And that's why some of these churches, people are not being healed. People are not being delivered. People are not being filled. That's why the church has no power as a whole. Not all of them. The body of Christ as a whole has no power. They have no power to intervene to and, 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 and address some of these issues we see going on today because they have no power. None. Only some of the churches, but we can't do it by ourselves. We need to be on one accord like the apostles were and the disciples with the apostles. We need to be on one accord. Okay, now let, let, let me uh, pick up where I left off. Verse 34, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him bo both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, 
brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise is for you. Here we go. And for your children and for all. I want y'all to tell me the definition of all. Does all exclude anyone? No, it does not. Who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is for every Christian today. So the question is, why aren't Christians and pastors of uh, so-called pastors of these Christian churches why are they not allowing the Holy Spirit in to give the church power? A lot of these churches are isolated and they are not going into the community and preaching the gospel to a hurting world. They're not doing it. Verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. My Lord. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread, which is communion and the prayers. Verse 43. And ah came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, let me tell you, the lack of the Holy Spirit being in the body of Christ today is the reason that we don't see signs and wonders. Because this is truth, what we are reading. This is live. This is from the living God. We don't see the signs and wonders that the apostles were performing back in the day because we ain't filled. And when I say we, I'm just speaking in general with the Holy Spirit. We ain't filled. You can't perform signs and wonders without being filled with the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to do it. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Here we go. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now this is where we have trouble. Greed in the church. Now this is not an obligation to sell. We're not talking about selling your house you living in. We're talking about your access. If you have overflow. That should be given to your brothers and sisters in the church who have need. But no, 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 no. The mindset today in the church is that of the world. I ain't give, let them go out there and do for themselves like I did. That ain't the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Mm -mm. You let me read that again. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 44, verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to, to the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse uh, 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food. With glad and generous hearts. Where is the glad and generous hearts in the church today? 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Meaning approval. 
the people approved the apostles and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you listen to the average sermon today, you ain't hearing nothing about Jesus. That showstopper will, or entertainer, I shall say, will pull out one scripture and go on a tangent on that one scripture and ain't nothing about Jesus. You see the teachings of the apostles. They referred back to Old Testament prophecy to prove that what was happening and what happened with Jesus was being fulfilled by these Old Testament prophets. Now, let me tell you um, about prophets here. In terms of prophesying something we don't know anything about, we don't, they don't exist today. They don't. Anybody prophesying today should be prophesying what Jesus said because a lot of things haven't come to pass yet. So we will be prophesying things about Jesus. Now, in the Old Testament, it defines who, what a prophet is. That which the prophet says that does not come to pass did not come from God. Uh-uh. So you don't have to fear that prophet. He ain't of God. And do you know that lake of fire and brimstone was created for the devil, his angels, and the false prophet? We have a lot of false prophets out here today. And if you stick with the word of God, you won't be fooled. You won't be fooled. Now, I, I realized that. I got that revelation years ago. Stick with the word. I started hearing all kinds of stuff. when I Not just when I became a real Christian, but when I was called to the ministry. I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. It got to just be one truth. So when I went to school and started studying and studying and studying and researching and researching and researching and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in once I was filled to, to reveal the truth to me, I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. I've been around false teachers. I'm going to correct them in my presence. And that's what I do. But the key to this is the key to the church. We need to look out for one another. With any brother and sister that is in your uh, organization. That's because that's what it is today. That attend the same fellowship as you. Because we are the body of Christ. Christ is supposed to be in us in us individually, but we make up the body. But if you have someone in the body that is, has fallen short and need medication, they had to go to the doctor because the Holy Spirit ain't in the church. You know, they ain't being healed. So God has plan B. Go to the doctor, give you some medicine that can sustain you possibly until you get enough faith to be healed. And all of a sudden you incurred a new bill. That person shouldn't be on Facebook begging for people to, for, to, to, for uh, people to give them money to get to fulfill their prescriptions. You should be able to go to your brother and sisters in the church and say, hey, look, I need help. But pride has stepped in now. People are embarrassed to ask. You shouldn't be embarrassed to ask a sister or a brother in Christ for some money you don't have because you need to buy some food. Or you need to buy your child some shoes or some school supplies or some clothes, or put food in your house, or buy medication. This supposed to be taken care of by your brothers and sisters in the church. We don't have that. That's why the church don't have no power. This is why. That's why I'm doing this message. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. The money today going to the, the, the bishops and the pastors to make bigger buildings. But yet we got people inside the fellowship who, who are starving. It shouldn't be that way, people. 
it should not be that way. I want to read that again because this is the church. The apostles are following in the teachings of Jesus. This is what Jesus did. And we are supposed to be continuing that when we build the church. Building the church is building the people. Because if you see that people were added day by day. Those who were being saved were added to the church. Those who were being saved. We're supposed to be preaching the gospel. We're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. And here's what the apostles did. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now saints, I want to stop right here. We are going to resume with chapters three and four, cause that is the end of chapter two, um, next Sunday. And before I leave you today, I want to first, uh, thank you for tuning in. I hope you are being blessed by this message. I hope you continue to listen because it's a lot more good stuff. We are going to read and you are going to learn about how the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to be working. I want to be as simple as that. How the church is supposed to be working. We are supposed to be on one accord. We are supposed to be together. We shouldn't have all these different denominations. We are supposed to be preaching Jesus. And refer anytime we are in the Old Testament, we should be cross-referencing some Old Testament scripture to prove that Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. And that will confirm who Jesus is so that people can believe. And we are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit performing signs and wonders so that the people can know that we are truly apostles and not apostles, but disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are supposed to be showing love by not letting anyone suffer lack. So I will see you next time. Stay safe. Stay prayed up. I want you to review and study those scriptures that I called out to you today until we meet again. This is Dr. Kamala D. I will see you next Sunday. pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially, because you feel we have been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Now until next time, Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.